Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com as well as rate, review of iTunes. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد للشاكرين رب فرح صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفضل قولي السلام عليكم ورحمة الله ونكتنم إن شاء الله تلايد لتفسير سورة القلم ونضع أخيرا آيات هذا السيشن نمبر 6 في السورة وكما نحن نحن This is the, uh, in according to the revelation, Surah Al-Qalam, according to most of the narrators, was revealed after Surah Al-Iqra, and then Al-Mundathir, then Al-Qalam. There are other narrations that put this Surah after Surah Al-Muzammi. However, we chose the, uh, the reports that put this Surah right after Surah Al-Mundathir. So once we are done with this, we will go into Surah Al-Muzammir, inshaAllah. And then to remind ourselves that this is again a Surah revealed at the beginning of the Dawah. The Dawah was still being initiated. The Prophet had just received the revelation from Allah And Islam is uh, still at its infancy. And nevertheless, there is lots of uh, obstacles Lots of struggle against the Prophet وسلم, uh, Lots of opposition from the society of Mecca, from Quraysh And this surah talks and started at the beginning with this uh, episode Between Muhammad وسلم, between Islam and Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira being one of the elites One of the top leaders of Mecca, of Quraysh Who stood against Muhammad وسلم, And so the whole surah talks about this issue of the Prophet as uh, uh, to make a very serious stand not to listen to the rumors and to the accusations and to the attacks and the slanders which are made against him or against Islam. It is also giving the Prophet and the Sahaba a big comfort in the sense that Allah is the one who is standing behind this da'wah and he's the one who is supporting it. The last Time we talked about the, the, the last few ayat which we discussed last time, where it says, "The Fadami uh, Hadith." Let me handle those who deny this Hadith or this Quran or this Islam. Let me take care of that. So Allah Azza wa Jal is taking this firm stand that it's Allah Azza wa Jal who would uh, stand uh, in opposition or in the face of those people who deny Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam the right to be a prophet or to be a messenger and as I mentioned this was the same the same style, the same word was used in Surah Al-Mudathir where he said 
ضربني والمكذبين let me deal with those who deny this uh, uh, this Quran in Surah Al-Muzzamman you use the same thing ضربني والمكذبين أولي النعمة and here فذربني ومن يكذب بهذا الحديث in Surah Iqra also Allah Azza wa Jal he explicitly talked about standing in the face of those who oppose Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where he says فَلْيَدْعُ نَادِيًا سَنَدْعُ الزَّبَانِيًا كَلَّا لَا تُطَاهُ وَسْجُدْ وَقْتَلْ Let this Abu Jahan, this elite, this top leader call his allies, his friends in order to oppose Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Allah says I will call the angels, the strong ones and then we will definitely slap him right on the face لَنَسْفَعًا بِالنَّاصِيَةِ نَاصِيَةٍ كَاذِبَةٍ خَاضِيَةٍ So this whole environment, this image, at the time of the early days of the da'wah, Allah Azza wa Jal is putting all that support, all that needed support, especially the mental, ideological, spiritual support behind this da'wah. And now, last time also, we stopped at the ayah where Allah says, فَاصْبِرْ لِحُكْمِ رَبِّكَ Giving direction to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam at this time of the da'wah, at the time when there are lots of obstacles, at the time when there is lots of opposition, when the people are standing against you, when Abu Jahl, Abu Reed, Abu Lahab, Abu Sufyan, all of them are ganging against this da'wah, what is it that you have to do? Fasmir lihukmi rabbik. Ismir, and we said Ismir means continue doing whatever you are doing. Be persistent, be consistent. It's not that translation of be patient. Sometimes the word be patient does not really give the entire meaning of this sabr. Sabr means stick to whatever you are doing. Just like in the Surah Al-Kahf where Allah Azza wa Jal says, فَصْبِرْ وَصْبِرْ نَفْسَكَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَشِيمِ You stick and persist with those who call upon Allah Azza wa Jal, who call for Allah Azza wa Jal. وَلَا تَغْدُ عَيْنَاكَ عَنْهُمْ And do not deviate your eye, not a single inch from those people who are calling for Islam, which means be steadfast with those who call for Islam. فاصبر نفسك مع الذين يدعون ربهم. Here, فاصبر لحكم ربك. اصبر until the حكم of Allah عز وجل and the decree of Allah is is established. And we said in the tafsir, the some of the mufassirin they chose to use the word اصبر لحكم means اصبر until the victory of of Allah comes. Because this letter in Arabic, li, fasbir li, it is called, this is like the, the al-ghaya. La al-ghaya, al-ghaya means the objective or the time. Asbar until something happens. Fasbir li-hukm Arabic means asbar, have sabr until Allah Azza wa Jal brings his victory down. Which means that continue carrying your da'wah, continue calling for Allah Azza wa Jal, Continue this episode against the shirk and this uh, uh, worshipping uh, idols other than Allah Azza wa Jal. Continue doing what Allah you are doing. Be persistent. Be consistent. Uh, do not give up. Do not give in. Do not compromise. Don't do any of all these things. Asbir until the victory comes. You cannot negotiate. You cannot compromise. You cannot have, have solutions. You can't do any of these. And the victory of Allah Azza wa Jal will come. And when I Look at this ayah, and of course the other ayah I mentioned in Surah Al-Muddathir where Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَلِرَبِّكَ فَاصْبِرْ In that ayah, it gave the reason why do you have sabr. لِرَبِّكَ فَاصْبِرْ Your sabr is because of Allah Azza wa Jal. Why I have to stick doing whatever I'm doing? Why do I have to be persistent? 
What is it that will keep me on the path without deviating? It's because of Allah Azza wa Jal. Not because of anything else. Fasbir, walirambika fasbir. In the Surah Al-Muddathir. In Surah Al-Muzammir, which we will talk about next. Wasbir ala ma yaqulun. Asbir despite all the rumors and the accusations they have against you. They have all types of accusations. They call you a sahab, magician. They call you shah, poet. They call you majnoon, as in this surah. Crazy, insane. But Asbir, don't listen to whatever they say. They will call you fundamentalist. They will call you terrorist. They will call you fanatics. Uh, they will call you uh, backward. They will call all types of names. But Asbir, continue calling for Islam despite of what they call you. Continue calling for Islam because of Allah Azza wa Jal. Continue calling for Islam and the victory of Allah Azza wa Jal will come. And do not feel under the pressure that you have to compromise or give in or uh, deviate a little bit. Don't do that. فَاصْبِرْ لِحُكْمِ رَبِّكَ وَلَا تَكُنْ كَصَاحِبِ الْحُوتِ And then here Allah Azza wa Jal is giving the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam an example of Prophet Yunus alayhi salam. Now he doesn't tell him this is Yunus. Now remember, this is one of the earlier surahs. The story of Yunus has not been reported. The story of Musa has not been reported yet in the Quran. The story of Isa and Ibrahim and all. This is new. This is just the earlier, one of the earlier, earliest surahs in the Quran. So Allah Azza wa Jal is giving this general notion. Do not be like the one who was in the womb or in the, in the stomach of the whale. And he called him Sahib al-Hud. Sahib al-Hud as uh, uh, it's, in, it's in a manner, it's in a style that, that gives you the impression that the, the Prophet Yunus was the owner or the one who owned the whale. He's not the owner of the whale, but he called him Sahib al-Hud, meaning that the one who had the episode with the whale. Without details. Now the Prophet knows the details. Allah tells him through Jibreel. But in this surah, it's very general. We don't, he doesn't want us to get lost in the details because the point here is not what had happened with Yunus. It's not the point why was he in the whale. It's not the point uh, what has he done to end up in the, in the, in the, in the stomach of the whale. That's not the story. So the details here are not particularly important for this episode, for this time of the da'wah. What here is important is to tell Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa you have to have sabr and do not run away easily. Do not give up. Do not be frustrated. And there is enough reason to be frustrated. Like the one who had rushed out of his village and he ended up in the well, in the, in the, in the stomach of the well, which is the Prophet Yunus alayhi salam. We know that now because we know that the Qur'an has been revealed later. So we know the whole story. But at the time, the story was not important. What was important is the direction to Muhammad وسلم, that frustration in this da'wah is not allowed. You cannot be frustrated. There are enough reasons to frustrate you. There are all type, like today, there are all types of reasons to frustrate us. There are uh, countries, powers, who gang against Islam. There are uh, anti-Islamic forces all over. There are secularists. There are the people who call under the name of democracy and civil code to undermine the, the, the importance and the significance of Islam. There are people who want to be nationalists, uh, uh, ethnicities and uh, sectarianism. 
There are all types of forces that want to undermine Islam and it's all frustrating. And sometimes the frustration goes to the extent that if you call for Islam, you will be called all types of names or you will not be given a platform or you will see that like in, in uh, uh, I still remember a report by the Rand Corporation, which is one of the big think tanks in the US, where they say those who call for moderate Islams, the so-called the moderates, the ones who want to coexist with all ideologies and systems and to have Islam being intermingled like part of a rainbow, part of, of a big piece of a cake and you have only one slice of it, those people are welcome and celebrated. But if you want to stick to Islam and to the Sharia laws and to the laws revealed by Allah Azza wa Jal, you will be the enemy of this so-called new civilization until the day of judgment. So that's frustration. That puts you under pressure. So the time when the da'wah is growing, there are all types of reasons to frustrate us as much as the Prophet When the Prophet, peace be upon him, will call the people for a suffer his relatives, to talk about Islam. And then his uncle Abu Lahab would come and tell the people, don't listen to this man. He is crazy, he is insane, he is my nephew and I know him very well and you shouldn't be listening to him. That's frustrating. When the Prophet calls people and he makes dinner and he invites people for food so that he can tell them about Islam. And then the kuffar, they gang and they don't even allow him to talk. They, 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 they do what, what they call, call the filibuster. Like they keep talking, talking, talking so that he doesn't have a chance to talk. He, that's frustrating. He does that on three consecutive days. That's frustration. When he walks, when he walks out of his home and he finds all the filth of candles, all the filth of animals being thrown in front of his house, it's, it's stinky, it smells bad. That's frustrating. When he goes out to give the dawah, goes to the Kaaba and he finds Abu Jahl and he tries to beat him up, that's frustrating. When one person accepts Islam, like Bilal, he's a poor guy, he's a slave, and then he looks away and Khalaf drags him in the desert and starts beating him up and trying to kill him. When they kill Yasser and Sumayyah in front of the eyes of the Prophet and he can do nothing. That's frustrating. They are all frustrating events. When the Prophet talks to the people and they start making fun of him, they say, you know, let's see your God and the angels come down and talk to us. We don't want to talk to you. We want to talk to your God directly. That's frustrating. When they tell him, we want to see that you have a ladder, you climb up all the way to the heavens, talk to your God and bring us some golden plates with all types of foods. And when you come down with all of this, still we are not going to believe in you. That's frustrating. This is people who are playing uh, the, the, the role of an idiot. So Allah Azza wa Jal, knowing all of that environment, He tells the Prophet وسلم, you know what? Just asper. Don't bow down. Don't give in. Don't give up. And don't, and He gives him an example. He says, there was one before you, he got frustrated and he left. The one, you call him the noon, the, the person of the will, because the noon is the name of a will, the noon. Yunus he was angry. He got angry, frustrated, and he left. He just quit. And he ended up in the will, he Allah Azza wa Jalla Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And that person, you know what, what he did after he got frustrated and he left? He was so depressed. 
supported. If he didn't do that, Lanubidha bil-Ara, wa hu mahnoom. Then he would have been thrown in the desert, isolated, and being even without any word of praise. Fajtabahum, fajalahum al-Salihin. So that's to to conclude the story of Yunus, so it doesn't remain vain. Allah Azza wa Jal says, then Allah selected him. Fajtabahum means selected him. He got him back. He gave him his message one more time. And he was among those who are salihin. فَجَعَلَهُمْ الصَّالِحِينَ He was a person with good manners, with good character, with the highest level of standards. He's salih. Salih means absolutely has no corruption whatsoever. No pollution. He's a pure person. And he's a prophet after all. But that is, but the point of Yunus alayhi salam, as I mentioned, in this surah, the purpose is not to give details about what Yunus has done. It is just to get Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the mood, in the mood where, look, there is a reason for frustration, but you have to have sabr anyway and do not behave like Yunus alayhi salam. Although Allah azza wa jal, he did help Yunus and he did recover him and did forgive him and he did give him the aid and the support. There is no question about that. Now, with this short message about Yunus and the sabr, Allah azza wa jal turns back to the society of Mecca now. What is it that they are trying to, to do to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Just to say, to give one more reason for frustration. And the kuffar of Mecca, now give to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they are not leaving you alone. We know them. Allah Azza wa Jal knows. He says, we know that these kuffar are not leaving you alone. They are trying to impact you, affect you by all means. And he chooses this phrase, لَيُزْلِقُونَكَ بِأَبْصَارِهِمْ Yuzlik means they make you slid down. So as if you are going down, uh, down a slope, and then you slid, and so you fall, and then you continue sliding until you feel you, you reach the bottom of a valley, you reach the bottom of something. That's a zalam. Or if you are walking on a slippery road and then you slip from that slippery road and you fall down. So something that causes you to fall and to get off your, because the, to fall or to slip or to slip is to get off your path. So you are moving along one path. There is a straight path. Then someone wants to push you off that path. That's a zalam. So they are trying to push you out of your path by all means. And Allah uses the word with their own sides. Now, in the tafsir here, when you come to this, there are all types of stories about the impact of an eye. You know, somebody, he looks you in the eye and with his eye he can cause you to, to fall. Or with his eye uh, you will collapse. Or he looks, he has this strange look and then you will die. But those stories are not, there is no very strict confirmation on this, on this impact or effect of the eye. There are all types of stories which I'm not going to, to get into that debate. But there is the expression, which is in English, in Arabic, in Russian, all types of language, that uh, he has this look, that with his look that he, he means his mean. With the mean here, he's giving you that look, that mean look, that he 
is devising something, planning. He wants to, to do something against you. In other words, those kuffar are giving you those looks, those deep looks from their eyes, which means that they are planning, they are pushing, they want you to get off your path. So the point here, the main point, is not what is the impact of, of the sight of the eye. The point is that these kuffar, they are doing whatever it takes in order to push you off your path. So it's not your life, whether you live or not. It's not your integrity as a person, but it's your da'wah, it's your path. Because as zalq, as I said, they push you aside from wherever you are. What is the position of Muhammad His position is the da'wah. His position is that Allah is the only God. His position is that Allah is the Lord of the world. His position is that Allah is Al-Malik, the King, Al-Quddus, the sacred, Al-Mu'min, the one who provides security. Al-Muhaymin is the one who provides all the support. That's his position. Allah is the creator. Allah is the one who, who has the day in this dunya and he has the day of judgment. That's the position of Muhammad There is this life and there is the hereafter. There is this life where you do and you perform acts. There is the hereafter where you get accounted for your acts. There is Jannah and there is Jahannam. That's his position. And those idols are null and void. They, they don't mean anything. And those gods other than Allah they are garbage. They are not real. They cannot be worshipped. That's his position. So they want to push him off that position. They want to make him slide a little bit. Just take a different route. Whenever they listen to this dhikr, a dhikr al Quran, they listen to this Quran, they listen, Oh, they have to do something because the Quran is standing up against their beliefs. When they listen to the Quran, Allah is the Creator, Allah is the Rabb. Man, that's, that doesn't resonate with their beliefs. Their beliefs is that their God is Abu Jahl, is uh, uh, what we call him, subhanAllah, uh, the name Amr bin Luhay. I talked about him in Surah Taqra. Amr bin Luhay. Their chiefs is Al Walid bin Al Mughira. Uh, Abu Jahl, Abu Nahab, Abu Sufyan, those are the guys that, that make sense. Allah, well, who is Allah Azza wa Who is this God? Who is the Creator? So when they listen to this, they don't like it. اقرأ بسم ربك الذي خلق الإنسان من علق اقرأ وربك الأكرم الذي علم من قلق Man, this is too dangerous for them. So they have to do something. لما سمعوا الذكر Whenever they listen to this dhikr, they get so crazy, so mad, and they want to push you from the top of a cliff so you fall down and you can't do nothing anymore. So when they, and today, by the same token, when someone listens that, oh, Islam has a system that resolves the conflicts, economic and financial conflicts of the world. Islam has a system that resolves all the woes and the miseries of the people who are poor and those who cannot find uh, food to eat. And that's too dangerous. When you say that Islam is the one that can definitely challenge this whole banking system, World Bank, International Monetary Fund, that rips the people of their own money. That's dangerous. They don't like that. 
when they say when they hear that Islam, the Sharia of Islam, can bring the justice that everybody is looking for and no one is finding it today. Islam can bring that justice. They don't like that. Whenever they hear that, they say, we have to stop these guys. We have to stop this call for Islam. We have to deviate it. We have to bring in people who are so-called moderate. We have to bring in people who would say, oh, you know what? Banking system, after all, we can make something similar in Islam. We have our own banks. We have our own banks. We can work together. <coughs> About justice, there is no way we can achieve ultimate justice. This is out of the wall. About to, to, to do khilafah of Islam, oh, that's too much history. That's way backward. We, can, we cannot do that. Let's make sure that the call for real Islam slides off a cliff. That's what's what we hear today. That's the same thing. When they hear this pure dhikr, this pure word from Allah you must be crazy. You must be insane to make all these gods one. One god? Come on, it doesn't work like that. All of these idols that we have been worshipping for so many years, we want to get rid of them. All of these laws and regulations that we have accumulated over the last centuries from the French Revolution, from the Russian Revolution, from the American Revolution, from the uh, British type of Cromwell Revolution. We want to, you want us to leave all of this? You want us to leave the civil code of Jean-Jacques Rousseau? You want us to leave the, the principles of freedom that Voltaire and, and uh, Martin Luther have come up with in the French Revolution? You must be crazy. You are calling now, you want us to, to come back to the Khilafah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Abu Bakr, which is 1400 years ago? You must be crazy. We hear this quite often. We hear it from Muslims, we hear it from non-Muslims, we hear it from seculars, we hear it from all types of people. You guys are crazy. You want, now even the constitution in Egypt has been passed in the, in the, uh, in the Committee for Constitution. And when someone said that we must have a constitution based on Islam only, they said, you guys, you must be crazy. We can't do that. It's crazy. You must be insane. That's what they told the Prophet If you want to call for Islam, that's majnoon. That's why those people who get affected by this, they say, okay, fine. Let's do it halfway through. We'll have one rule from Islam, one more rule from Christianity, one rule from capitalism, one rule from democracy. And it's, we will make it, we will work out something. We will work out something. Allah Azza wa Jal is telling Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, don't do that. They want you to do that. They want, they call you Majnoon because they want you to get off your path. They want you to compromise on the principles, on Islam. لَمَّا سَمْعُوا الذِّكْرَ وَيَقُولُونَ إِنَّهُ لَمَجْنُونَ وَمَا هُوَ إِلَّا ذِكْرٌ لِلْعَالَمِينَ And there is a notion here, this is the, the last ayah in the surah, where Allah Azza wa Jal, puts a big objective here. Telling Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this dhikr, the word dhikr, said, لَمَّا سَمْعُوا الذِّكْرَ When they hear a dhikr, they say it's, you are majnoon. But this dhikr, وَمَا هُوَ إِلَّا ذِكْرٌ Just tune your ear to this word, dhikr. وَمَا هُوَ إِلَّا ذِكْرٌ but this dhikr is for all the walls. Not only for you. But this dhikr, Allah Azza wa Jal says, إِنَّا نَحْنُ نَزَّلَّ الذِّكْرِ A dhikr is the revelation. 
So the, 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 the most common <coughs> meaning for the word al-dhikr is that the revelation. Whatever Allah Azza revealed to Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is al-dhikr. Because he said, Inna nahnu nazzalna al-dhikr. We are the ones who revealed to you al-dhikr. So al-dhikr is the revelation from Allah Azza wa Comes in the form of a Quran, comes in the form of a Sunnah. Because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he doesn't say anything out of his own desire. It is a revelation that's being revealed to Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So whatever comes from Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in the form of a Quran as revealed by Allah Azza wa or in the form of a Sunnah as also revealed by Allah Azza wa it's a dhikr. So this dhikr, which is, which makes up Islam, so the composition of Islam, which today when we say Islam, prayer, fasting, hajj, jihad, marriage, divorce, uh, sales, trade, commerce, uh, all of this, which is which makes up all the rules and the systems of Islam, that is out of the dhikr. So this dhikr, that the people they see it, when they look at it, they say, you must be majnoon, crazy, if you want this dhikr to prevail. But Allah says, you cannot let go of this dhikr, because this is not yours. This is dhikr for all the people, not only for Quraysh. And there is a notion here, say Quraysh, a dhikr is being revealed to one person among you, and he is giving it to you directly, but guess what? This is not only yours. That's not only for you. So it's not up to you, Ya Quraysh, to stop this dhikr because it's not yours. This is for all the worlds. For all the worlds. And this, the word al-alam, worlds, plural. Read the history, contemporary history, world history. Have you ever seen a notion of plural form of world except in Islam? All of us has take, have taken classes of history and philosophy and geography. Always in world history, world war. But worlds, in a plural form, it's only Quran that talks about it. And the Quran talks about the worlds in two senses. One, when Allah says, I am the Rabb of Al-Alameen. Al-Alameen, the plural of world, the multiple worlds. And when he talks about Islam, he says, Al-Islam is the Islam for the worlds. There are multiple worlds. What are these worlds that Allah is talking about at the time when Muhammad was still in Mecca? He's still being chased out. He's still not being allowed to convey his message. He's still being fought. He's still being opposed. He doesn't even have so many companions still. Even this Quran is still not so many people believing in it or following it. But still Allah is saying this is for all the worlds. What worlds? Beyond Quraysh? Beyond Arabian Peninsula? Beyond the Persians? Beyond the Romans? Beyond the world that we know at the time? Uh -huh. It is as we today, oh, everybody knows that we live in a world different than the world that the people lived in 1400 years ago. It's a different world. Well, it's a world of technology, a world of information, uh, knowledge, a world of satellites, a world. And the people maybe two, three hundred years ago different in a world different than the ones before them. And whatever comes later, it will be different. But it's for all. Whether it's today's world, because sometimes some people, they tell us, look, this Islam, 
was good and was proper for the time when the, when the, the revelation was revealed. For the people of Arabia who did not know Allah, it was good for them, but it's not today. Today it's different. But Allah right from the very beginning, He's telling Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and He's telling Quraysh, remember, this revelation, I am revealing it for all the world. Meaning, meaning that this revelation is to prevail. It will go beyond Quraysh. So Quraysh, no matter how much obstacle they oppose, they go to this Islam, this opposition or this obstacle will not last. Because this Islam is meant to be for not the entire world, for the entire world then and the entire world that will come next and the worlds to come. And for us and for generations to come. So today, when we say we have to make sure that this dhikr prevails, this Islam be dominant, we are not saying something out of the blue. We are not out of this world. We are in fact resonating the words of Allah Azza wa Jalla. We are resonating this very, very serious word. This Islam is for all the world. And this notion to tell Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam right at the very beginning, when still this da'wah is at its infancy, it gives this momentum, this strength, this support. That remember, I am revealing this deen not only for Quraysh, not only for Arabia, not only for New World, but this will last. And that's another reason for Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to, to be comfortable and to have the sabr. Going back to the ayah which Allah Azza wa asked him, Asbir, because this deen, this Islam, this figure is for all the worlds and it will prevail. And that is to conclude here this session and this surah. When I read this surah, one of the earliest surahs with all these notions that Allah Azza wa is telling, talking, is wearing by the by the qalam, by the by the pen. And talking about the people of Quraysh opposing Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and then coming out later at the end, saying that this deen, no matter what the obstacles are, this is for all the world, and this is something that's going to prevail. I can easily feel that comfort, that strong momentum, that what I am following is the deal of Haq. This is the deal of truth. This is the deal of Allah azza wa jalla. It's not mine. It's not my deen. So it's, if I leave this deen, if I let go, I am the loser. Just like Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is telling Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his prophet, if you, do, if you do leave and get frustrated, you will be isolated on the desert. You'll be isolated, just like the one who was thrown out of the well. So you will be the loser. So the one who quits is the loser. The one who stops is the loser. The one who does not continue this path of propagating this deen, of making sure that this deen becomes the, the dominant, becomes the prevalent, becomes the deen of the world, the one who quits that, who doesn't follow through, is the loser. Because this deen, Allah Azza wa Jalla wants it to be dhikrun al-alamin. وَمَا هُوَ إِلَّا ذِكْرٌ لِلْعَالَمِينَ Sadaqallahu al-Azim, this is the true words of Allah Azza wa Jal and I would stop right here and start next time inshallah with Surah Al-Muzamil. Zakumullah khair. We'll start taking questions and comments if there are any. Yes. I just want to say one of the things that 
So if you have belief from the source of information, then probably you will start buying things right now. And go and try to, to buy some things because you know you will have 10% rates because of the confidence you have in the source of information. So the, the source of information to those people at the time, the Sahaba, which is Allah Azzawajal, is absolutely confident source. <coughs> they have absolute confidence in it. They have absolute belief that this is Allah Azzawajal and therefore whatever he says is correct. So to them, that was the power, that was the energy that allows them to move. So that's the idea. So now for me, when I read the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, that says that the, the city of Constantinople will be conquered before the city of Rome. And I know the city of Constantinople was conquered, and this is the Prophet وسلم, is saying, so I know that one day Rome will be a city of Islam. Because I have confidence in the word of Muhammad وسلم, and I have confidence in the source of information. So when Allah tells me, وَمَا هُوَ إِلَّا ذِكْرٌ لِلْعَالَمِينَ And I know that the worlds do not terminate today. Today is not the last world of the worlds. Because I know for sure that the world has been evolving from Adam until today. There are different generations and variations. But today the world we are living in is not the final. That's not the end. So there is still continuation. So this Islam will continue to be throughout the history of mankind and mankind until the day of judgment. Because that's how I understand worlds. Worlds mean every time there is a human who is living, that's a world of humans. And this world of humans will continue to exist until the day of judgment. So this Quran, this Islam is going to exist until the day of judgment. <coughs> no one is going to stop that. So I have confidence. Why? Because Allah Azza is the one who is saying. Otherwise, I don't have a clue of the ghayb. I don't have. In fact, the, the materialistic elements, materialistic calculations could tell me otherwise. Just like uh, Fukuyama in 1991, he said, oh, this is the end of history. That's the last world we have because socialism is over and there will be no world beyond the world of capitalism and democracy. That's his prediction as a human. But to his surprise, two, three years ago, he said, it turned out to be untrue because capitalism itself will collapse and will fail down. So there is yet one more episode that we don't know. Now he doesn't know what we know. We know that this vicar, this Islam, will be the one that dominates the world throughout the history until the day of judgment. Why do I believe in that? Because if it's Allah Azawajal. Why do I have confidence in that? Because it's from Allah. How did the Sahaba have confidence in it when they were being dragged in the desert of Arabia and, and, and Mecca? Because it's from Allah Azawajal. Now why does Allah Azawajal put it in the Quran? It's his choice. He puts it in the Quran. But it does have, it does give us a clue. It does give us the comfort and the support. Especially in the earlier Surahs of Mecca, look how beautiful it is this. It's, they are calling you Majnoon, they are calling you insane, they are calling you everything, but don't worry. This is a vicar for all the worlds. I'm not sure if you can add this as a confidence also, which is when you look at the source of the information, like for example the hadith that you mentioned about the Sultania and Rome. Now, when I look at the hadith, the hadith was talking about two cities. 
Now the reality that I look at right now, since this hadith was like almost 600 years before the conquer of something, almost 600 years. Now, when I look at it and I see that part of this hadith did happen in history, and the other part yet did not happen. So, can I add this as confidence, which is like match of the information or the khabar or the news that came in that hadith with the reality? Yeah, of course. Does it increase yeah. my... Just, well, it could increase, <laughs> but in reality it shouldn't. Exactly. Your confidence should have been full from day one. Because when the Sahaba, they hear this hadith, <coughs> they did not have that first part of it. And in fact, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari is a Sahabi, correct? Abu Ayyub al-Ansari is a Sahabi. In fact, he's the one who hosted the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he migrated to Medina. Where is Abu Ayyub al-Ansari buried? Istanbul. On the outskirts of Istanbul. Istanbul was not yet conquered. But like Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, many Sahaba, they continued to strive to conquer Al-Qustantiniyah because they heard the Hadith. And because the Hadith actually, he praised, he said, فَنَعْمَ الْجَيْشُ جَيْشُهَا وَنَعْمَ الْفَاتِحُ فَاتِحُهَا Praise be to the army that will conquer Constantinople and the praise be to the leader who is going to conquer Constantinople. So all the Sahaba, at the time, although they didn't have enough power, and they were going against the biggest empire in the world, the Roman Empire, they wanted to achieve that, and they knew it's achievable. And the history says, the missions to conquer Constantinople never ceased until Muhammad the conquest was able to, to conquer it. Never ceased. Throughout the six, 600 years, the Sahaba continued to take few soldiers here and there and try to go and conquer Constantinople. Why? Because of the Hadith. Why? Because they believe in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Why? Because they believe that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam takes the revelation from Allah. Why? Because they know Allah is the truthful and never says anything that's wrong. That's the chain of Iman and belief. That's how we should get it. So when I read this, I know for sure. Look, whether Quraysh likes it or not, Islam will prevail. Whether the Persians like it or not, Islam did prevail. Whether the Romans liked it or not, Islam did prevail. Whether today, Britain, France, China, Russia, United States, Europe, all of it like it or not, Islam will prevail. Whether the NATO, Security Council, Arab League, Muslim League, all of these opposers, those who oppose the rise of Islam, whether they like it or not, Islam will prevail. This is what Allah Azza wa is saying. I have complete confidence in that, in that because it's from Allah Azza wa Not for any other reason. And Allah puts it in the Quran so no one can, can argue against that. No real Muslim can argue against that. Okay, more comments, questions, from once, from twice. Go ahead. Well, 
the so-called the I call them the, the mentally defeated Muslims. The mentally defeated Muslims. Means that they, they don't have the complete mental confidence in what Allah says. They put the claim that, look, we are in a world that technology advancement has surpassed us by so many steps. So way backward. So we cannot even compete with the world. And the only way to compete and to is, to be part of this world is to be part of this global globalization. So we have to give up our notion of Islam being the, the system and the religion of the world and the, the idea that dominates the world. We have to give it up because we are we are backward. And that is that's just one one type of notion to give, one type of idea to suppress this I, this concept or this belief that Islam must come back and be and, and, and rise again as it was at the time of the Prophet and later. So those are part of the things that they use. But in reality, uh, uh, the Muslims or the, they call them the nomad Arabs at the time of the rise of Islam. Most of other nations in the world, they were way advanced, more advanced than the, than the Bedouins in, in, uh, in, the, in the Arabian Peninsula. Whether the Persians, the Romans, the Indians, the Chinese, even the Egyptians, all of them had civilizations, had advanced, if you will, civilizations. And the Quran talks about some other people before Islam, that they had those advanced things, but then when it comes to ideas and concepts, that doesn't count. Because what causes a civilization to grow is the belief in an idea. So when the idea of Islam prevails, and the Ummah believes in it, that will allow the Ummah to move at very high speed. And that's why when the Muslims, they, they didn't believe that Islam <coughs> can be a supreme idea of the world. And by the word supreme, it doesn't mean the, the like white supremacy. It's not the supremacy of nations. It's the supremacy of concepts, of ideas, of things which are uh, uh, brilliant ideas. Those are not like the German supremacy or the Anglo-Saxon supremacy. That's because sometimes some people, they say, oh, look what this guy is talking about, the supremacy. Supremacy in the sense of ideas and thoughts and systems and ideologies compared to what the world has, capitalism, democracy, socialism, nationalism, Islam is a supreme idea. So this belief in the supremacy of the idea allows the Muslim Ummah to move at very, very high speed. And all these science and technology Technological advancement will be way behind us. It's not that we will skip them, but we will have much, much more advancement. And the history tells how the Muslim Ummah, when they took Islam seriously, they surpassed all other nations in science and technology. They surpassed Europe, they surpassed China, Egypt, India, uh, Persia, all of them they were behind. So today, when we say this thicker of Islam actually comes into existence, all of these uh, excuses about science and technology will not uh, uh, will not count at all and will not will not last. But today they use them only to suppress the ideas and the minds of the people and to create this defeated mentality, as I as, uh, as I mentioned. Yes. Related to this, uh, the Muslims they don't believe in 
brother, you know, the, the Islam has, needs to come, it needs to be implemented, but it cannot come as a whole. They talk about gradualism, you know, they are, and they bring about incidents and things like that. Um, how do you want to respond to it? Well, the way I respond out of the surah, because I don't want to go uh, uh, far away from uh, the, the surah, the surah has a notion the kuffar, when they listen to the dhikr, when they see what you have, they will say, we want to, to make you slid away, so you can be pushed away from the idea, so you will have a partial Islam, if you will. Partial means, whether you call it gradual, or partial is the same, so part of it. And it's not that yuzliqunaka does not mean you give up the entire Islam. You will just slip aside, like you skid aside. So you are not totally on the same path you are, but you can go zigzag. They want to do that, and they claim that you are crazy, you are insane if you stick to your path. So that's what we say today. Look, Allah revealed Islam, and Islam is al-haq. Allah says, He revealed Islam, and this haq, laysa ba'da haq illa al-dalal. Beyond haq, there is nothing but balan, which is a lost idea. And al-haq, truth, is not divisible. You cannot partition al-haq. You can partition al-babal. Al-babal, the falsehood, you can partition. Al-babal, al-tarud, you can, it can have many names. You can partition it into socialism, democracy, capitalism, nationalism, ethnicism, uh, sectarianism. Whatever you want, uh, civil code, call it whatever you want. It can be partitioned in many things. But Islam, Al-Haq, cannot be partitioned. Islam is from Allah Azza wa Jal. You can't have two gods. Partitioning Islam means you will get Islam, the one from Allah Azza wa Jal, and the other Islam is from where? It's either from Allah or not. Allah is one. And the Quran is one. And the Prophet is one. So Islam and Al-Haq and the truth cannot be partitioned. You cannot have multiple truths of the same truth. And the notion, and Al-Quran gives us notions on this issue, like in, in, in Surah Al-Baqarah, it's a very interesting notion, where he says, Allah is the ally of those who believe. He delivers them from the darknesses. It's a plural. Darkness, he says darknesses of volumat. Of volumat means voluma, vol each voluma is a darkness. From darkness A, darkness B, darkness C, from all types of darknesses, to yukhrijum, in a volumat, in a nur, to the light. And he doesn't give, he doesn't say an anwar, which is a plural of nur. An nur, one. So the deliverance is from multiple batal to one truth. So al-haq cannot be devised cannot be partitioned. So this one, gradually, is not an Islamic concept from the beginning, from aqidah perspective. Because when you grad gradually implement something, you are implementing Islam and not Islam. That's what gradual means. I have partial Islam and partial not Islam. The not Islam is kufr. And Allah Azza wa Jal, He explicitly told Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, be careful let, lest they push you push you away from a single part 
بعض سنجل بارت ذات از بين ريفيلد تو ان انش اوف وات از بين ريفيلد تو انيثينج انيثينج بعض ما انزل بي كيرفل لايك هير يسلقونك بابصارهم يو ونت بوش يو ا ليتل بيت ذي اكسبت فروم يو جاست ا ليتل ديفيشن You don't have to go. You don't leave your prayers. Don't leave your fasting. Don't leave your Hajj. Don't leave anything. But Allah bends to pray. Bends. That's it. We don't want anything more. Just the bends. To give you loans and to rip your money and to so you will be in in debt for for the rest of your life. That's what we want from you. Or. They would say, you know, it's okay. You can have your own form of banking because it's better than even our form of banking. But forget about jihad. Don't use this word jihad. It's an ugly word. Keep it in the Quran, read it, but please don't implement it. Don't use it. We're not asking you to take it to wipe it out of the Quran. Keep it there, but don't formulate a unit or an army whose main objective is to carry jihad. Don't even don't even bring the word jihad in. In, uh, in your talks, that's it. We are not asking too much more. That's that's easy. We are peaceful people. We want the world of peace. Everybody, you are. Everybody has his own jihad. America is making jihad in Afghanistan. America is making jihad in Iraq. And I, I mean, when I say jihad, because jihad is the notion is to have a war for an ideological objective. Because that what that's what jihad is. It's a war. The objective is to propagate or to allow Islam to propagate. When they fought Iraq, what did they say? We want to implement the values of democracy. This is a war for democracy. Why are we in Afghanistan? Because we want to make sure that if we leave, democracy stays there. So the whole war, the whole war, we spent, we, I mean, the U.S. and NATO and the Security Council and the, 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 the Western powers, they spent. Hundreds of billions of dollars and lives of people they killed on the ground from Afghanistan or Pakistan or Iraq and their own soldiers for values. That is a jihad compared to the notion of jihad that came in Islam. So they can have it, but you cannot have it. Well, after all, they don't call it jihad, so it's okay. So that's when I say, if you let go, this is Islam. How is it that you want to let go on any part of Islam? Allah Azza wa Jalla in Surah An-Nisa, He made this very strong ayah to Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam when there was a case, somebody stole a shield during the war. Somebody stole a shield from one of the fighters, and then ended up this shield. One Muslim took it and he put it in the in the within the goods of of a Jewish person. So they wanted to to claim that the Jewish had stolen that. So there was a big debate on what to do on this issue. Now before anything had happened, Allah Azza wa Jalla revealed an ayah very strong to Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam in Surah An-Nisa, telling him. إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ بِالْحَقِّ تَحْكُمَ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ بِمَا أَرَاكَ اللَّهُ We have revealed the book for you with the haqq. So you rule the people with what Allah Azza wa Jalla has shown you. So stick to what I have told you and what I have shown you in the Quran and the revelation. 
ولا تكن للخائنين خصيما and don't stand in defense of the betrayers don't stand on defense of those who betray the religion or Islam or who make any mischief or corruption that is Islam that's Islam so so it's not up to you it's not even up to Muhammad to pick and choose what he wants to implement or what not it's not his religion it's not mine it's not yours how is it I can pick and choose and say you know I want to be gradual I will implement now this part of Sharia and this part I will keep it for later who am I to say that how can I choose part of the laws of Allah and the system and say I want to put this on the shelf for now it's not time for that this Quran you know how am I going to split this I would say the first half I will read whatever is in here I will implement it today this part next year this part 10 years from now this one oh, maybe never maybe when conditions Allah are you crazy I mean can you do that because literally when they say gradual partial that's what exactly it means this is I'm just making it physical because it's it happens that the part of the world that you are living out maybe in these pages you might as well just partition it like this or bring the books of hadith and bukhari it has books kitab al-salah kitab al-tahara kitab al-zakah kitab al-jihad kitab al-miraf kitab al-farad that's it's that's how it's divided right it's very well distributed it's partitioned in chapters and based on topics mashallah it was good I mean, Bukhari did excellent job so it's it's naturally divided so gradually why don't you come and say okay let's do it book by book within the or chapter by chapter now it's the chapter of Tahara so this Tahara is how to make wudu how to make Tahara it's not even prayer so this year is the year of Tahara the next year is the year of Salah the third year is the year of Zakat come on that's ridiculous or you will say now it's all al-ibadat al-mu'amalat which are the tra transactions we will keep it later or you will say the transactions have two types one type has to do with the social acts marriage and divorce we can do that now there is another part that has to do with money and finances we will do that later who in the world are you to pick and choose from what Allah has revealed. How is it you are going to face Allah on the day of judgment? I would say, you know, part of the Sharia you revealed that the systems, oh, I delayed it. I thought it was not time for it. I was doing it gradually. And if you ask, why didn't you do the other one first? Why did you choose this and that? Well, how are you going to answer? I don't want to be in that position. Islam is Islam. Al-Haq is Al-Haq. Now, of course, is, there is a catch in this issue because well, today it's very natural. Brother, can you implement the hudud, the limits? I can't implement the limits. The limits which is if somebody steals, you chop his hand, if somebody commits zina, 
you lashing. I cannot do that. So, oh, see, it's a gradual. So you are choosing. You are praying, but you are not doing that. Well, that's not true. The implementation, the implementation of the rules of Islam, of Allah Azza wa are not to the individual. This is up to the state of Islam. It's up to the Khalifa, to the Imam. So the Imam, once he has the authority, once you have an authority, you have no choice but to implement Islam. If you don't have the authority, you have no choice to implement any part of that Islam. You cannot. So the, the idea here, then, because sometimes some people will say, oh, you are picking and choosing, you are selecting to pray, but you cannot do uh, the hudud and the limits and the rules which are against it. True, true, because I don't have the authority. The authority is an Islamic idea. It's an Islamic idea. Allah Azza wa Jal decreed, and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he specifically instated that there has to be an Imam who is in charge of the affairs of the Muslims to implement Islam. That Imam, once you select him or implement him or put him in charge, he has no choice to pick and choose. It's the one who has the authority, so we have to be clear on that. It's not an individual, it's not my choice, it's not your choice, it's not his choice. This is the Imam, it's the authority, it's the Khalifa, it's the head of the state, the one who, who has that, where that thing applies. Otherwise, it becomes like a kasha, it becomes like, a, you know, everybody will start doing things the way he wants, that's not right. Somebody steals 
out of poverty is the one who is responsible is responsible for his food. So if I'm left out of food and therefore I had to steal and the judge, now this is Islam, judge comes and says, I stole because I didn't have enough food. He will say, okay, who's responsible for your feeding? I have sons who are working, they're responsible. I have brother who has food, he's responsible. I don't have a son, I don't have a brother. There is the wali, the wali, the one who is in charge of the food, he's responsible for me, he did not give me enough food. Any one of these will be punished, but not me. So there are rules for implementing the rules. This is Islam though. So here, it's not the issue of graduality, it's the issue of implementation of Islam as is. So you cannot take someone out of uh, poverty and you still have not distributed the food in a manner that people are satisfied and you come and take the, the, the person and chop his hand. You chop the hand of the one who stole the wealth of the people, who deprived the people from eating. That's, that's Islam. That's Islam. In fact, that's what Ali used to say. I would have killed poverty, not the poor. You don't kill or chop and, chop and the one who takes food because he's hungry. But the one who is not hungry, the one who steals the wealth of the people through banks, through rivers, through interest, through all of that, that's the one you will take care of. Not the one who is, who is hungry. So there are, there are rules for implementing the rules. But the idea of there is a rule which I can implement now, and there is no, no other conditions to stop that Islamic conditions, I choose not to because of whatever reason. It's not up to me. That's not up to me. I will not be in a position where I would say, okay, this rule is like river today. Riba, you cannot allow riba to prevail. Absolutely not. In fact, in fact, there is no nation in the world that's in need of riba. Absolutely not. Every nation in the world is in need of abrogating riba. That's a fact. Every person in the world, every person in the world is in need of eliminating the riba. So that is, there is no justification whatsoever of keeping, of keeping riba. So in fact, I would have selected the first rule, Islamic rule, to implement in any society is to make sure I would stop the river. Because that's the reason for all the, the, the miseries. And you talk about and the other rules, for example, the ones that deal with the, uh, with the social chaos. Social chaos means the things that allow zina to, to propagate and mischief in the relations between men and women. Now that, it doesn't take a brainer. It doesn't say what people are ready or not ready. Who says the people are ready for corruption? People are not ready for corruption. People, they get corrupted because they are in corruption mode. Push them aside, pull them aside, make sure that women and men don't, do not mix in a manner that allows them to, to, uh, to get corrupted, they will not be corrupted. Why in the world, why in the world, it's okay or it's, it's acceptable in France 
inference to obligate the non-hijab. That's an obligation. So we don't want women to wear hijab in public places. Publicly held places, correct? That's a rule. It's in Turkey, it's, it's a rule. In Tunis, it used to be a rule. They have this rule. Why is it, when I say now, I don't want women to be naked or half naked or quarter inch naked in public places in Islam. Tell me you are not ready. Who said our Muslim women are ready to be to take their hijab off in, in France? You are not ready to go out, don't go out. I mean, if you are not ready to go out on the streets, on public places with hijab, you think you are not ready, okay, stay home. You are not ready, stay home. So, what's the big deal? Because that's when some people start saying, we are not ready for Islam. Our women are not ready to wear scarves and abaya in public places. Okay, stay home. Let those who are ready go out. Simple. It doesn't take a brainer to do that. It takes courage. It takes not only courage, it takes understanding this, this is Islam. When, when the ayah of Khamar was revealed, because when they talk about gradually, they bring this ayah of Khamar. But let me give the, the, use the same ayah to show what gradually means. Before the ayah of Khamar was revealed, Khamar means prohibit Khamar, khalas period. Muslims, Muslims who used to drink, who used to drink, some of them, they used to say, I am drinking only if Allah tells me don't drink, I will stop. I cannot stop like this. They were not ready physically, emotionally to quit because they want to quit. They were drinking. And the Quran told them, okay, don't drink when you are praying, at least, so that you know what you are doing. So they would pray after Isha, between Isha and Fajr, they drink and they get drunk until Fajr. So they have enough time. When the Allah said, okay, drinking is haram. No more drinking. What happened? History says the streets of Medina were flooded with stored khamar. Khamar, which was stored in the, in the barrels, everybody was dumping that on the streets. They said the streets were stinking. Smell of khamar all over you. Khamar's finished. And I revealed, they don't say, oh, wait a second, give us some time. In fact, some people did come to the Prophet وسلم, some hesitants. They told me, Ya Rasulullah, I have too, too much khamar in my house. I'm going to lose a lot if I, if I dump it. What do I do with it? He said, just dump it and forget it. I told him, can I convert it into vinegar? Because once it becomes vinegar, it's no longer khamar. He told him, no, just dump it. Just dump it. And he dumped it. The Sahabi, he argued, that, can we convert it into khal? Khal means vinegar. He said, no, just dump it. They dumped it. That's one, one thing. There is another ayah, which is very similar. The ayah of hijab. The ayah of hijab. When, the, when Allah Azza wa Jal revealed in the Quran, the ayah, Tell the believer woman so that they will dress their julbab and they make their julbab go all the way down to their feet. One woman says, 
When that ayah was revealed, some of us women did not have a jubab, did not have a gown that we wear on top of our dresses. So we used to stay at home, and only one sister goes to the street at a time, the one who has the gown. When one sister, the woman goes out, makes her business, comes back, she lends that jubab, that gown to other women. So they go one by one. The three or the four women would share one dress, but they would go one at a time. They did not even say, okay, we don't have dresses, so please, the Prophet don't implement that until we buy dresses or sue them or something. No, they just stay at home. Stay at home until I get the dress. If I don't have one, my sister, woman sister, goes out, she finishes her transactions, does whatever she does, comes back home, says, okay, who needs the gown? Oh, I need the gown. You give her the sister the gown. She takes it, goes to the street, couple of hours, comes back, gives it to the second one. That's implementation of Islam. That's al-maslaha al The maslaha, the general interest of the ummah is to implement Islam. The general interest of the ummah is to implement Islam as revealed, not gradually, not partially, not pick and choose. You don't pick and choose. And again, one more time, there are rules for implementing the rules. Umar and the day, the year when there was hunger in Medina, he did not, he did not execute the rule of punishing the thieves, the chopping hand of the thief. And that, it's not the selection of Umar, because Umar knows there is a hadith of the Prophet says, when something ambiguity, the ambiguity overrides al-hudud. Al-hudud is the, 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 the punitive law which, which is extreme, the limit. This extreme laws, if there is ambiguity, if there is a shumma, there is a reason that can deter the implementation of the hadd, then make sure that you don't do the hadd. So Umar radiallahu anhu knows that the poverty, poverty is a shubha. Shubha, there is, this is a potential reason to let go or to pardon the one who, who steals. So this not Umar picked and choose, because sometimes they say, see, Umar radiallahu anhu did it. Umar did not pick and choose. Umar he implemented the rule which is used to implement the rules. This is the rule of the rule. You know, it's like a plan of a plan. We say this quite often. It's the rule of the rule. There are rules to implement the rules. There are rules to implement the punitive laws. So you go to the judge, as I mentioned, if the judge says that, oh, you don't qualify, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ about the zina. Remember, the man who came to the Prophet ﷺ, he told him, Ya Rasulullah, I committed zina. So God punished me. And the Prophet ﷺ started looking for things that could pardon him. Not to, to evade the implementation of the rule. He wants to know, to make sure that he doesn't implement the rule haphazardly. So he kept asking him questions, specific questions, to make sure that if he has an excuse or if he has a way out, if the zina was not actually committed, so he doesn't punish him, stone him. It's not that he didn't want to stone the man, 
He wants to implement the rule of stoning in the right way. So there are rules to implement the stoning. There are rules to implement the cutting of the hand. There are rules to implementing the uh, putting someone in, in, uh, in jail or punishing someone. There are rules. So you can't simply implement because, oh, because there is a punishment. Sayyid Qutb says in one, in one uh, statement, he says when the people tell us about the implementation of the Sharia and they make fun, they think, say, so, you know, if you implement the Sharia, that means half of the nation will walk in the streets with their right hands cut. So you will have half of your population without their hands. Then he makes this sarcastic statement. He says, these people, they think of their societies. They think of the societies they build. A society with lots of poor people, a society with lack of values, a society with all types of corruption. Because a society with poverty means there are many people who are going to steal. A society of lack of values, there are many people who would steal because even though they have money. A society of lack of uh, good big values may just go out of corruption and cause miseries to others and steal and rob their wealth. That's not our society. So let us build a society. Islam. We will build a society. Our society will have plenty of food. We will not have poor people. And if we do, there will be a mechanism to feed these people, these poor. And if someone even still a poor and he steals, we are not going to cut his hand. We will cut the hand of the one who has made him poor. So that next time he will make sure that he doesn't take the money of, uh, of other people. And we have a society with supreme values that people would love to feed their neighbors or their people or their friends or their dependents. They prefer the others to eat more than they, even though they need that food. That's the society we will build. And if we build this society, I dare you to find one person without a hand. And then it's true, show me in the history of man of Islam where people walked without, with, with half hands. It didn't exist. History of Islam did not narrate not a single case of people losing their hands of poverty. Not a single case. They did narrate some cases for zina. Zina is, has, has nothing to do with poverty. Zina has to do with uh, stupid, corrupt values. But not poverty, not steal. Wealth, stealing, it's values plus abundance. What type of values you have and what type of food you have or you don't have. So that's the idea. We will build a society, we will build an Islamic state, we will build something that will not have the same type of dynamics as the societies of capitalism or democracy or nationalism or this Western type of values or this greed and, and, and uh, one person owns 90% of the wealth of the nations, that's not going to happen at all. So the implementation of Islam is the guarantee for the stability and for the justice and for the abundance. It's not the other way around. I think we'll stop right here. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe. 
Share and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.